Ohio State gets back in the win column, although it wasn't the prettiest victory against a non-major contender type team. We'll talk about that and much more in this week's edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, joined as always by Johnny Ginner. Johnny, you know, a win is a win, although we, we can't say a win is a win is in, in the 10, like the saying goes, since this was Tulsa, not a, not, mm-hmm. not a, a vaunted Big Ten opponent like Rutgers or Maryland. Uh, there are a lot of things about this game to kind of scratch your head and puzzle about and ponder and noodle over. How, how did you enjoy the game, uh, Ohio state versus Tulsa? What, what was your instant reaction? Enjoy is a funny word, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I mean, look, I, I briefly mentioned this. I don't think, I don't know if anyone actually, uh, read the, the social reactions thing that I do uh, for that, but I, I kind of ranted a little bit about the production and the game, not, not so much the game, but really just the production. Like it's one thing to have kind of a, a mediocre meandering game. I, I've seen a lot of those. I'm an Ohio state fan, but everything about the product that was on television just made it a hundred times worse. Like you, the, the image was clearly like an upscaled SD feed. Uh, everything was grainy and weird. The, the, letters and numbers on players were like all blown out and you know we had this weird blue sheen they, to they it. looked smurfy i was like yeah, what are you doing here it was so weird it was really goofy and weird tim brando was awful and mispronouncing every player that he wasn't familiar with which was literally every player on both teams not named master teague for some reason um, he, he, i mean was there a guy who uh had, had a had a had a bigger thing for a single player than tim brando for master teague i mean like it's I, not that he had a thing for it it's that that was the only player he was familiar with and he had done apparently no research on any other player so he just kept hammering that home and saying coach's son over and over and over again because he was too lazy to do the actual work that he's required to do as a play-by-play guy. I just – it wasn't a fun game to watch because you want Ohio State to rebound and perform much better than they did. Uh, Trayvon Henderson had an incredible game. Obviously, that's fun to watch. That's pretty cool. But, you know, everybody's freaking out about the defense and you didn't get the answers you wanted. So that in, in that sense, it was not a super fun game. Uh, you, you're happy to get the victory and to win by three touchdowns. That's great. Tulsa's not a good team. They're pretty bad. You would like to look a little bit better than that, but um, you know, you just got to take it and move on. Pretty bad to the tune of zero and three. You know, they were favored uh, at one point. Ohio State favored by thirty-one. I think that line tightened up to like twenty-six or twenty-six and a half yeah. by by kickoff. Uh, they didn't cover in any event. Uh, although, you know, if you just looked at the final score, you'd be forgiven for thinking Ohio State you know, controlled the game like uh, an Ohio State team should against a Tulsa-type team. And and that really wasn't the case. Three quarters, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you'd go so far as to say that Tulsa stood toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes, but they, they had they a chance it, to tie the game one, like the fourth quarter, though, right? They, like, yeah, they that, they made it very uncomfortable uh, when I was writing the debriefing. You know, there's a segment each week, you know, it, it was over when – uh, and, and, you know, it was over later than it should have been. Let's put it that way. Right. When you, when you, when you looked at it, um, and, and the reason that the game looked as lopsided as it did on the final score was because of the pick six, you know, in the waning minutes mm-hmm. of the game. So, it, you know, if that score is not there, then the perception, I think of the win is even you know more wonky than it is. Uh, and so, so let's peel this onion apart. Um, you, you mentioned the defense, and that's probably as good a place to start as any. Kerry Combs moves up to the press box. Matt Barnes takes over play calling responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did see some blitzes. I, 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 I mean, I guess that's a good positive step. Let's reward progress. It seemed like, 
they had forgotten that blitzing was an option for the first two games of the season. So uh, did, did you see anything uh, from the defense that you said, oh, okay, this is, th- th- this is improvement or this is change uh, in a positive way? Uh, I mean, yes, I, I do think that there were some. Um, I think that you can look at individual players, especially, and go, okay, well, this is this is positive, right? Like, I mean, Burke obviously has been somebody that people looked at as, as a really pleasant surprise, I think. Um, I think Hickman did all right. He had a pretty good game. I think Brown's done really well. There are There are good individual players on that team and they're going to get better their ceiling is really really high obviously in defensive line you've got a number of players who can contribute immediately and have you know already kind of done some good things there are pieces there the problem is is what it was at the beginning of the season which is they're just they don't feel like they have much of a cohesive identity um kyle jones talked about that a little bit today actually and, and talked about kind of the changes that were they were making um schematically and what they're looking to be and they are working towards that but they're not there yet. And, you know, obviously that bit them in the ass against Oregon. I don't know how much of a threat that is coming up. Uh, you know, hopefully they'll have some time to maybe get some, you know, get their sea legs underneath them when they finally decide on what they want to look like, but they're not there yet. That's really the thing. It, you did see some improvement and they were good on the ground, you know, defending the run, terrible defending the pass overall. Uh, and, and, you know, not a shock that Tulsa decided to choose that, but um, they're just, they're not there yet. That's really what I would say about that. Um, yeah, they got a ways to go. You, you know, we talked about this with Jones last week and I, I think fans who were hoping for Ryan day to pull the pin on the grenade and just totally blow everything up, you, you know, was never going to happen. Right. You yeah, know, there are a lot it. of reasons you, you, you don't, you're not going to install an entirely new defense. You're not going to change defensive coordinator. I mean, you might, you're no more than what they did in this case of banishing Combs to the press box and telling Barnes to, to, to call the plays. Um, you know, I, I joked on Twitter that it's just to go, go ahead and early on when, it, when things looked pretty ugly and they were getting lit up down the field, uh, in the passing attack. And then like we had flashbacks to a year ago when that was the, the big problem was that they couldn't, uh, couldn't shut anybody down through the air. You know, I, I, I joked, I'm like, you know, just go ahead and, and, and can him at halftime and give, give Paul Rhodes the whistle. Right. Uh, you know, he's the guy on staff, albeit in a, you know, analyst quality control type role, but he's, he's the guy on the staff that has the most experience as an actual honest to God, defensive coordinator. That's not going to happen. Right. So, you know, we talked about that with Jones last week for a variety of reasons. So I, I think this kind of incremental progress that you talked about individual players, you know, I singled out some in, in uh, my debriefing, I thought it was interesting when, you know, the staff announces their champions and players of the game for the week. There were only three, I think, defenders this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, you know, in in fairness to whoever makes those decisions, Ryan Day or uh, Gary Combs or Matt Barnes or some conglomeration thereof. I mean, yeah, right. Like you don't. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had zero after some of these performances, it wouldn't wouldn't uh, be a miss. But uh, you know, Ronnie Hickman certainly looked pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Cameron Martinez was interesting because I thought he got blown up early. Um, you know, we, we, I think good place. But well, and that's why I say he got rolled over early, and then late he was a machine. You know, had yeah. several several passes he broke up. Uh, and then that pick six, you know, was, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you want. You know, it's, if they're going to live up to this, you know, best in America sort of lineage or heritage, uh, in the defensive secondary being ball Hawks is part of it, you know, but, mm-hmm. and, and we've, you mentioned Burke, I feel like you've seen co- the cornerbacks 
show the ability to play that lockdown style, uh, you know, corner, but, but because the deficiencies in the middle of the field with the linebackers, because maybe you're not getting the push up front from the defensive line or the pressure that you might want to see, the whole thing hasn't come together yet. It's, it's right. still like, oh, I really like what I saw over here from this one player in this one specific example. And the rest of it looks like, you know, refried crap. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing because consistency is a huge deal, right? Like it's one thing where you've got players kind of doing individual performances and whatnot, but it's a 60 minute game. And you, you know, I, I love the fact that you get, you know, an INT and take it back to the house and pick six. All that great. That's great. I love it. But you know, you watch the game and if, if one play, the, the safeties are completely out of you know position and then the next play, the linebackers are like, you don't have to be all world world beaters. You just have to be consistent. And the, the process of finding out who those players are typically done in the off season. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, to go back to something we talked about with Jones last week, the thing that just continues to make my head want to explode is all of this stuff that we're talking about is stuff that should have been done. Right. Exactly. You know, before fall camp, even. Exactly. I mean, just like we talked about with preparation for the Oregon game, you know, the fact that the players didn't look like they really understood what the hell they were looking at from Oregon's offense until about the fourth quarter. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, that goes back to what, what in the H E double hockey sticks were, was this staff, uh, you know, this multi-million dollar staff doing all off season long. And, and I think to some extent, you know, not to make excuses for these guys, um, cause I won't, I think the ripples of the weird COVID season last season can't, can't be understated, you know, not having a full normal season, uh, you know, player development that doesn't have anything to do with the preparation for Oregon. That's a separate yeah. thing and a total, you know, epic failure there. But things like, you know, figuring out, okay, who really is the best? If you've got a bunch of guys who aren't distinguishing themselves as individuals, uh, you know, you didn't really get a full book of business on them last year to, to be able to tell. So well, especially if you, if you know, you end up having to lean on so many freshmen, you know, and, and that's right. That's what's really interesting about it, because you've got a situation, especially on the defensive line. I mean, you know, Harrison was out. He wasn't mm-hmm. playing on Saturday. So that's, you know, that's when your big pass rush guys um you got to bring in all of these five stars like okay well now you're going to be immediate contributors there and and that's not saying like that's what we think you'll be able to do it's what we expect of you and i i like even in the situation with the secondary and the uh, and and the uh the cornerbacks it's like okay well you've got denzel burke who's coming in right he's a freshman he's doing really good things and then you've got cam brown and he's he's a senior and it's just it feels so mix and match at this point. Yeah. Like we got to figure because to say nothing is seven banks, who was the guy, okay, he's going to be a first round draft pick and he's not playing. Um, it's, it's really, really fascinating as we kind of said to watch this kind of play out because it does feel almost like this is, should have been camp and it's not. So, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to cut them too much slack because there are a lot of other teams. Every other team's got to deal with this. And there are a lot of other teams who did not have, the kind of defensive expectations that Ohio state did, or at least the expectation to improve this much. Right. Uh, and they're, they're doing much better, you know, namely Michigan, honestly, is the one that jumps to my head. And I'm like, okay, well, if Michigan can do it, you better, you better damn well hope that Ohio state can, can fix what's going on, right. The ship a little bit. Uh, um, we're we're, we're going to focus on 
that team up north later in the program because I, I want to uh, take a stroll down threat level lane. Uh-huh. Um, so my favorite recurring feature on the site, and I think it bears discussing, given exactly what you're talking about, the seemingly incredible improvement with the caveat that it is still September ergo sure. anything Michigan does in September is highly suspect when the calendar turns to October. Uh, but, but I want to, I want I want to finish out our discussion here of things about the Tulsa game. So, you know, we, we've talked about some of these sort of incremental changes. I hesitate to call them improvements, but some, some were uh, in the defense, but let's, let's shift over to the offensive side of the ball, you know, for, two weeks now I've been hearing from the nattering nabobs and negative Nellies that Stroud's not the guy Stroud's not the guy uh you you know Stroud should have been winning these games if you had a better quarterback Ohio State would have beat Oregon yada 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 (laughs) I've I've rejected that hypothesis yeah that's that's wrong um and continue (laughs) to do so I I continue to maintain that if you require your offense to get 42 plus just to be in the ball game you have failed. <laughs> like, yes, correct. That is not that is not something you should ask your. This ain't the Big Twelve, you know. Right. So this game, however, <laughs> the 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 haters had plenty of hater aid mm-hmm. uh, to pass around this game because it was Stroud's worst game statistically for sure. Um, you know, and and the costly interception at, at one point. So he's had three picks on the season. Um, did are you are you ready to pull the the panic um the glass off the panic button on the quarterback situation yet no not yet i mean you've got a couple of games coming up where as a quarterback you should really settle down and kind of show people what you are i, I do think he's probably at least a little hurt i mean he's he's basically intimated as such that you know his, his throwing arm is not but, but it's, it's, and, and i think like we've seen that because if you go back to the oregon game there's several i mean he's basically you know windmill in his arm there right almost every time after the play you could tell mm-hmm. He's, he's not feeling comfortable. So my question is, you know, putting yourself in the boots of Ryan Day, why are you playing a guy when you've got 47 four- and five-star quarterbacks in, in the room? And I, and I want to be clear that I'm, I don't want to say playing devil's advocate, but I'm, but I'm asking the question that I've seen a number of our readers and listeners ask. Why, if you have this embarrassment of riches, are you putting a wing, you know, a wounded duck out here uh, to potentially get even more injured uh, or not play up to his potential if he is hurt. I think the problem is, is that you've had Ohio state in situations the past couple games where for most of the game, there was no real opportunity to bring somebody else in right there. And I, like I understand you can put somebody else in whenever you want at any time, right? You think Stroud's reasonably yeah, injured. I mean, help st- start McCourt, you know, if you, right. if, yeah, if Stroud's, you could if Stroud's injured, just run, you know, put the next guy out there. Right. But the key philosophy among almost every college football coach is they want consistency and predictability, particularly out of the quarterback. And Friday knows exactly what he's going to get with CJ Stroud. So I don't think, you know, if you're looking at a situation where you're in the Oregon game and you're trying to come back or you're in even Tulsa, right. And it's, it's a relatively close game. You don't want to do anything that might mess that up. And I don't think there's some kind of emergency situation where it's like we have to bring in McCord or something like that. I, I mean, again, 
should he get playing time? Yes. I just don't know that there has been a really great opportunity for that uh, to thrust a guy in a situation, you know, where he's got to essentially be the reliever with the bases loaded. Like, I just, I don't think that's a good place to put a guy who's never played it down in college. And and not um, for nothing, you know, you're, you're shitting on both quarterbacks in that situation because yeah. you're saying to, you're saying to your starter, you know, I, I don't trust you to go out here and win this game. Right. And you're saying to your backup, go win this uh, game. <laughs> you have to win this game. Right. You know? Exactly. So you're or, or you're not going to be starter. Right. You're putting both guys in sub. I mean, you know, I'm, bad old position. To, I'm old enough to remember when JT Barrett and Cardale Jones, you know, were, were, were put in this situation where, oh, one guy's starting, oh, nope, the other guy's starting, oh, one guy's starting. I, yeah. You don't want does, that. D- does anyone really want to relive that nonsense? Right. Like and I was... think CJ Stroud, given how he's played, I mean, Tulsi was not good. He didn't have a great game. Uh, but given how he played in the other games, I think he's earned uh, the ability to keep being the starter, keep showing what he can do. Now, if he regresses and this is what we see in the next game or so, then yeah, I, I think you got to think about McCord and, and putting him in and seeing so what I've, he can do. So I've seen that argument made that, you know, he's, he's regressed, you know, he's gotten worse each game. I don't know if I quite agree with that. I don't agree um, with that. And and I, I, I think he had a bad game, but we I don't know that that's necessarily I wouldn't call that a trend yet. He, he had a bad not game that far and, in the season. And, and and at the same time in fairness to him, you know, receivers had a couple drops. They did. You know, that that made made the completion percentage look worse. Yes, he still misses high on some of those. I you know, I don't, I don't know why he sails a couple of those, but he, but he does. And you know what? Hey, every quarterback's got, you know, a weird quirk, right? So maybe his is he's just going to he's going to airmail a couple. Yeah. Um, he's not Joe Bowserman. Let's, you know, let's not, let's not, let's not bust the guy's chops. Right. <laughs> no so, one's Joe Bowserman. Look, I, I, but I mean, you read the same comments I read. Johnny. I know, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like people hyperbolize <laughs> it. They just get, cause I look seriously, it, they're on YouTube. You can go ahead and watch some of those games that Joe Bowserman was the starter for Ohio state. There is no comparison. And again, I'm, I wish Joe Bowserman all the best and I hope that he's living his best life right now, but the worst starting quarterback I have ever seen at Ohio State, and it's there's not really a competition there. And, so, and, and you know, and I pump think- the brakes a little bit. I know the expectations are high because you're just coming off of a stretch of really great quarterback play at Ohio State, but pump the brakes I, just a little bit. I mean, look, this is like Earl Bruce following Woody Hayes, right? Justin Fields is, I think, now maybe universally accepted as the best to ever do it at Ohio State. Yeah, talent wise, um, I don't, I don't think there's really an argument there. R- right, so. You know, it's, it's, you know, if, if if you say Woody Hayes was the standard by which all other Ohio State coaches will be measured, you know, Earl Bruce never had a chance in that regard. You know, following the old man, yeah. same same deal here. Like, do you want to be C.J. Stroud following Justin Fields? Holy crap, yeah, that's you know? rough. That's and and you know, I I think it's important to to note, like, you and I are not here just to carry C.J. Stroud's jock. Like that. No, it's, it, it, this is uh, because we've been more than happy to, you know, yeah, look, carry Combs head here on the. Yeah. And C.J. Stroud has, like I said, if C.J. Stroud has another game or two like this, no, then he shouldn't be the starting quarterback. I, I totally agree with that. But you can't be so reactionary on a game to game basis, because especially when somebody is so raw and green, like people forget. I mean, it's not like. Justin Fields walked onto Ohio State's campus never having played football before, right? This right. is not a dude who didn't understand college football, hadn't, you know, faced defense. Like, this is a person who understood pretty well what his role in the offense was going to be and how to execute it. C.J. Stroud hasn't necessarily had that same kind of benefit. And, you know, I know the guy isn't completely fresh off the boat or anything like that. I mean, the guy, he's been around the program, but it's different. And the other thing is, 
and maybe, you know, I think another quarterback that sometimes maybe changes people's perception on this whole thing is, is Dwayne Haskins because you're coming in and you're basically being asked to paper over all the deficiencies of the defense as a quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is able to do that and that's fine, but that doesn't mean CJ Stroud is necessarily going to be able to do that from day one. And and so people are like, well, you know, Oregon scored 45 and you know, (laughs) CJ Stroud should have scored 48. Like you can't always do that. You can't always expect a quarterback to be able to do that. Um, and I don't know that Kyle McCord could have done that either. That's the other thing. Like, you don't, you know, the grass is always greener and you don't, you don't really know what Kyle McCord is capable of in a game time situation. You don't know Quinn yours is capable of a game time situation. Those guys most might both be worse than CJ Stroud right now. And, and that's just not known yet. Um, yeah. And that's so. the thing that killed, you know, cause I, I see a lot of people, I think just kind of jump right over, um, jump right over, mccord and so just put yours in just put yours in and i'm like look this cat should be playing high school football right now let's what about jack miller yeah god we forgot that poor guy all together i I, you know one thing i do find interesting and this goes back to our discussion of the defense and and the ungodly big rotation that Mm -hmm. they've they've been playing you know yeah part of me part of me going back to the quasi free agency we're in uh, on the one I, i haven't decided yet if i think that ryan day and company have it and head coaches really anywhere have it harder or, or easier now with regard to player mobility uh, and, and how they have to coach on the one hand, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep everybody happy because if they don't feel like they're getting their due playing time, well, hell I'll just transfer. You know, people don't think right. anything at all about transferring um, right, wrong or indifferent. It's, you know, it's a reality. On the other hand, you know, of course, you have the as with Justin Fields, the ability to go out and get a guy off the transfer wire to immediately make your team better. And Ohio State has has done that to great effect more than once now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I I watch you know like say our quarterback situation here. Uh, I don't think any of us believe that all four of those quarterbacks are going to be in the room a year from now, two years from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I very much doubt that. Yeah, right. It's not going to happen. And and likewise, you know, you look at some of the other positions on the field um it you when you were talking earlier about freshmen showing out early versus seniors that look kind of kind of lost i I think to some extent you know this free agency thing gives a a coach like ryan day the freedom to play the young guys and and take that john cooper philosophy if you know if a pup's gonna if a dog's gonna buy he's gonna do it as a pup right uh because because hey you know what if the upperclassmen aren't getting it done well they can transfer and open up a, a a spot for the next guy in the next recruiting class, right? Yeah, I no, I think that's an excellent point. And I don't know that it's harder or easier. I think it's just different. It's definitely a different way that, you know, roster management has to be done. Um, and it's it's much more of a professional kind of thing, which I think is also interesting. I mean, There's I probably mean, a lot of coaches. worried about playing time, right? Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a thing. And maybe worry is the wrong word. A good coach probably shouldn't be worried about it, but be, be mindful. No, but they're thinking about it. Yeah, they're absolutely thinking about it. And keeping, I mean, geez, you know, we talked about that with several different times on Urban Meyer teams. Like, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. how's he going to spread the ball around? Because he's got all these these weapons. Um, and <laughs> the answer a lot of times was he didn't spread it around as much as he could have. And no. and here, you know, you're you're seeing that now is with the wide receivers we've talked about that several times you've got wide receivers that could start just about anywhere in america r- riding the bench because hey you know what chris Olave and garrett wilson are really freaking good <laughs> so, well and i'd also say jack 
a lot of people sleeping on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, oh my I gosh, he, that guy's been incredible. He's been really good this year. Um, I mean, he quietly may have have had the most impressive season of the three so far. You know, yeah. Alave, um, despite Tim Brando's protestations that Alave yeah. had never not caught. Yeah, also uh, wrong. Good pass, job, you know, Brando. I mean, just hundred percent, totally factually, and it wasn't just like one game either. Alave's had a couple games where he didn't have a catch. You know, so this wasn't his best game either and i yeah, still contend he's, yeah i still contend he's the best wide receiver in america um mm. this this wasn't his best game so you know it it, it kind of belies the point that even great players have a clunker every now and then right yeah yeah well and you know and then you get supported sometimes by players who have really great games i mean i i do want to talk a little about travion henderson and what he was able we to should do. get around to that my gosh because yeah, that really was the headline of this game and i was I, it's funny because at the beginning of the game and and really first couple of games of the season i i thought travion had the incredible what 70 yard you know touchdown mm-hmm. it was really a you know a little flare pass out to the flat and he took it 70 yards like okay that's pretty key ass and i was a little underwhelmed by his actual running and then he did this, um, you know, most, most yards ever by a freshman. I, it's, it's really, I always go back to this and it's something that is always reinforced when I, especially at the beginning of the season with uh, running backs, which is they have, they thrive on reps. You have to be able to give them reps. And I know that sometimes you want to like, you know, you've got the, the thunder and lightning and then, you know, the pair, you got to make sure you get all these guys touches Sometimes you just got to give a dude like Trayvon Henderson 24 carries because then he'll do that. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to give people reps so that they can get used to getting hit so they can understand what holes to go through. Um, didn't say anything for Mayan Williams. Didn't need to because Trayvon Henderson was, was kicking ass. And I like the idea of trying to figure out who your number one dude is. I don't like the idea of splitting a lot of carries between three guys, like figure out who your rotation is. Um, and worked really damn well with and the hell of, and Teague. Well, and that's what I was just saying. The hell of it is, you know, we'd kind of written Master Teague off, I think, after mine Williams looked fantastic and and you yeah. you you knew Henderson was a more a more talented back, I'll just say it, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. he definitely had more more uh lateral ability, you know. Um Master Teague is an incredible downhill runner. Uh dude's one of the freakier guys on the team in terms of strength and athleticism. Yeah. And yet, you know, dude, dude kind of has to, uh, uh, you know, stop the car, <laughs> put the turn signal yeah, he, on. Yeah. He does like a 12 execute point the turn, turn every time he has it's, to like, you know, cut. yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is not graceful when he's got to uh, go somewhere other than North South. Yeah. But it was a nice changeup. I thought, you know, Henderson, Henderson really, you know, his debutante ball was, was a big one. Uh, but then Teague came in and looked really good in those situational moments when, when he was in there spelling the young gun, uh, I I liked it. And and the hell of it is, you know, we were, we were really talking up Mayan Williams two weeks ago, you know, that this kid was the truth and hell master Teague, you're number three on the agenda now. And, and I'm looking and saying, gosh, Henderson and Teague was a pretty good rotation. Yeah. And I think you just basically at this point have to kind of like, you know, pen, you know, not pencil and you got to like take an old permanent marker and put Henderson at the top of the running back uh, list because you, you there's do no something like that, to, you know, yeah, you do something like that. You don't, I think your decision has been made. You know what I mean? Like there should not be any more quibbling or second guessing about who should be at the lion's share of the carries, who should be like the big, you know, focus of the offense. And that's the thing. That's a big responsibility for a guy like that. But I got to tell you something. I don't think, 
I don't think that a guy like CJ Stroud can be asked to be the Dwayne Haskins. I don't, I don't think that he can throw 50 times a game. I don't think you're going to be able to get that from him. So you need to maybe lean on somebody else in this case. And I hope that it continues to be Trayvon Henderson. Um, and I feel like that's probably the safer bet in general. Um, and that's maybe the team offensively that Ohio state needs to be. I, I know that Ryan day and everyone else wanted this to look like a fun and gun offense where you're throwing 35, 40 times a game because you have these amazing wide receivers, but look, if your defense isn't doing great, which Ohio state's is not, you need to shorten the game up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You need to try to get, you know, consistent plays in chunks, especially in first and second down. And you do that with a solid running game. And I, you know, again, I, I would love to see Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave each have a thousand yards this season. I think that would be kick ass. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way for Ohio state to win football games. And you see that in Oregon, right? Like, you know, CJ Stroud comes out and throws for what? 480 some yards. Okay, well, they lose. So you need to maybe try something different. And I think a consistent running game that you can build off of with the passing game is maybe the best way to go right now. Yeah, it's, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. This is a, a running ball club. I mean, you think about all the cliches that you would apply to Ohio State, you know, running ball club, uh, everything, everything starts, uh, you know, in the trenches. And, mm-hmm. and Ohio State, when it establishes that running game, and, you know, and look at, look at CJ Stroud when they ran some of those little bootleg plays and, and let him roll out a little bit, he looked a lot more comfortable in, in this game, you know, and, and so there's some little wrinkles there. I think as they really establish that running game, open up play action, I think you're going to see him blossom when he doesn't have to shoulder 90% of the load, exactly what you're saying. Right. Uh, and, and, and it also wallpapers over those, those defensive failures. So you're not doing the Dwayne Haskins thing of expecting him to be Mr. Universe. Right. To shore exactly. up for a shitty defense. Exactly. Uh, or a shitty running game. Henderson, I mean, clearly best true freshman running back since Maurice Claret. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a controversial statement, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in terms of, actual like numbers on the field i think that's pretty much that's set in stone but um i don't know i mean you could say maybe with beanie and how that's played out you, you really got to see we got to see how the rest of the season goes with that dude um yeah i, I guess because beanie played beanie, beanie was the guy as a true freshman wasn't he well he so it was him and Pittman, and beanie would come in and, and uh-huh. he was kind of the more the situational guy but he was clearly yeah. the more talented of the two at least yeah in terms of expectations and, and whatnot um he wasn't really expected to be the guy. I I, w- I would really say I think I, I think you make a good point that the last time you had a situation like that really was with Maurice and um and and Maurice flashes- by the way was hilarious on Twitter on Saturday. Every- <laughs> <laughs> people need to people need to go to see that dude was that dude was great. Was Maurice great. is a great follow on Twitter anyway, just in general. But yeah, he was feeling it and yeah, that was fun. It, it, it was there there's some for i mean i mean i enjoy following former players anyway just because that you know many times well you know joshua perry's got a great series running on 11 warriors now where you know he's answering mm-hmm. questions from readers I mean, those guys have perspective that you and i don't even as even as members of the vaunted buckeye press corps uh you know they, they, their perspective is is unique so i enjoy following them and then you just have some characters you know and i'm sure every Every uh, football program alumni base has has some characters, but there's some really funny former players and uh, oh, yeah. you know an Ohio State Twitterverse and yeah, Maurice was Maurice was feeling he made appearance and uh, Jim Trussell's least favorite moment of the game this week in the the debriefing because I I found him to be quite amusing so yeah it was pretty good 
But I, I think back to Henderson, you know, his, his coming out party couldn't have come uh, at a better time because it's, you know, you're seeing the concerns we talked about with Stroud, you know, if he's a little, if he's a little dinged up, if he's feeling a case of the yips, if he's feeling a lot of pressure, he's 19 years old. Now all of a sudden he's got, you know, 200,000 uh, chuckleheads on, on Twitter and his DMS about how he's the worst quarterback ever, you know, whatever kind of nonsense people do. This this is going to help him out tremendously. And when Ohio State is balanced, you know, you go back to Urban Meyer's mantras: two hundred fifty yards rushing, two hundred fifty yards passing. We sure as heck haven't seen that this year at all. It's been mm-hmm. very lopsided. Uh, I think when you find that balance again, it just it just opens things up and and lets the team play with a lot more comfort, a lot more confidence, a lot more comfort, and a lot more, uh, I think, freedom. Uh, when you have a good running game established and and then it feeds that that passing success that we that we've been seeing from Stroud by and large yeah I agree with that and you know you've got a couple games here where hopefully like I said you can kind of find your footing a little bit and and you know enhance improve build on what you've been doing and uh, I don't know you want to see like I want to see Ohio State come out and win by 60 and I want them to go, you know, they're playing Akron at night, beat them by a hundred Akron know. at night. I, I still don't get, I mean, I know, I, I know why it's cause we're, you know, big 10 had, had the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, big 10 networks got there. Yeah. It's, you know, it is what it is. The almighty dollar. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, Akron at night and, and, you know, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I mean, this is something we haven't talked about he's got to get at least fifty thousand for that right like i i'm i'm concerned are there going to be fifty thousand people in the stands you know uh, that's what i'm saying uh fifty fifty thousand yeah yeah fifty is probably good they can break 50k i don't know if it's going to be 70 what was it 71 it was 76 76 i mean 76 like it sounds like a tall order for me, I mean, I guess maybe it's a beautiful day. Maybe being a night game helps. I don't know because you can go have a normal day and do your crap, sure. and then then go to the game. I, I don't know. I just, I I am not super jacked up about an Akron game in which Ohio State is favored by fifty three. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, 50, that's the what? Who even makes a line like that with a straight face? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get it if it's like the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters or well, something. Apparently, the Zips are the Washington Generals. Like, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> I guess. But that is, that's, that's a very silly line. That's just, I think this the, is disrespectful. Yeah. And I think the over under is something like 64, 65, something oh like that. Gosh. So, I, yeah. I mean, come on. Come on now. Uh, that's given Ohio State's defense a lot of credit there. It's given everybody a lot of credit. And I just, I don't know, I don't know if I would go along with that based on what I've seen. Um, I will yeah. not be betting this game. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I won't good. be, I won't be like the guy, uh, you know, Monday night that had the 16 team parlay counting on the Lions to uh, upset the Packers to take home like three quarters of a million dollars. I will not, I will not be that guy. How's that? All right, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I alluded to this earlier. Time to take a, a a drive down threat level lane. All right, as our resident expert on all things Michigan. <laughs> so what's going on up there? Harbaugh, Don't put that evil Har- on me. Har- Harbaugh got his mojo back, huh? Uh, maybe. I mean, the thing is, I'm trying to be very trepidatious. I guess might be the word here. I I I am trying to hold back my concern at a Michigan team that I think looks very good. And look, 
they're NIU's bad. Northern Illinois is a bad team. Like they're really bad. They they have probably one of, if not the worst defense in the country. But here's the thing. Michigan still hung 63 on them. And if it wasn't for a penalty that called back another uh, rushing touchdown, they would have 10 rushing touchdowns and 170 to 10. And instead they still won 63 to 10, which is still pretty wild. Uh, they did what good teams do, which is destroy bad teams. And Michigan hasn't done that in several years. And, and the thing that I really want to emphasize to people is not that I think Michigan is incapable of regressing or that they might not, they, they could very well look like absolute trash against Rutgers and then Wisconsin. I don't know, but what I'm seeing are elements in this Michigan team that you don't see or haven't seen in previous years, their running game is really good. And not because they're like, you know, the other team is missing tackles or whatever, or they're just getting lucky or there's, you know, bounces that go their way or missed assignments. Their offensive line is blocking really, really well. Blake Corum is really, really fast. And he's hitting those holes really, really fast. And uh, Hassan Haskins, we just waxed poetic about Trayvon Henderson and, and Master T. They have a very similar situation there where they've got a guy who is just lightning in a bottle and then another dude who can get you five, five and a half yards every every down which is important because then you don't really know who you're going to have to plan for and, and how to play um and then they had donovan edwards who had like 86 yards and eight carries it's it's a team that has an offensive identity is my point yeah and in the past several seasons michigan has not had an offensive identity it's changed from play to play series to series game to game they just kind of show up and did whatever and they looked like trash and it was really irritating to watch this is a team that's a run first team they're very good at it and you know that still could cost them some games because i don't think that their wide receiver is great especially after losing ronnie bell um their quarterback right now you know Kate mcnamara is serviceable he may get you know I think it will stick around as long as they keep winning games, but you know, JJ McCarthy is still there and I think he's probably the real deal. Um, but anyway, they're not great at quarterback and then defensively they're amazing. Uh, their, their defensive line is great. Their linebackers are really great. Secondary, not as great, uh, but they're not going to be challenged in their secondary until like November. Right. So mm-hmm. like literally I, I, cause when I wrote this, I was like, Oh, trying to go through the big 10 quarterbacks that they're going to be facing. And honestly, until they play Penn state, which has a, you know, like a decent wide receiver core until they play Penn state, it's really Adrian Martinez. And that's it. And I don't know why, like, that's not really the dude that you're going to count on to be consistently scary. So they'll be fine defensively. Um, This is a team that I think, I don't necessarily think they'll be undefeated, but they, they could go into the game with like maybe just one loss. Um, one or two losses, just the way they're playing right now. Now, again, all that's with the caveat that it's September. Um, you know, they could definitely regress and look like crap that they have in years past, but the elements of what they have don't look like the, the ceiling is super high, but the floor isn't very low either. Um, they have a lot of legitimate talent that they're weaponizing right now. And if they just keep doing what they're doing, they're going to still be pretty good. So I don't know. It, it is Ohio state fans. If you're looking at this, like, you should be a little concerned because Michigan's looked a lot better than Ohio State the first three games of the season. Well, and that's the you know the thing you, you said earlier. They do what what uh, you know good teams do, and that's you know beat the hell out of uh, of bad teams. Yeah. You know, to put this in perspective, you know how much worse is Northern Illinois than Tulsa? If those two teams played on a neutral field, according to SB Plus, Tulsa would be favored by eleven. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, NIU is not great. They have the hundred. Yeah, they're bad team. 108th ranked offense, the 97th ranked defense under those SP plus categories. Now, 
that that said, I mean, as you noted, they beat them by darn near 70, uh, where, you know, Ohio State limped into beating Tulsa by 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, I I think most Ohio State fans would like to see more of that that other kind of performance. They, that, that's the part that probably rankles is seeing the, the hated rival uh, beating lesser teams the way they should right. uh, instead of, you know, the other way around. Well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Cause I, I think this is the year where they come into the game with some momentum and some drama. It's not going to be like what we've seen in previous years, but at the same time, um, they've, they've made, they've made us uh, chuckle for so many years that, you know, they could all fall apart next week and it won't surprise me either. It's, it's our ball, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. All right. I think it's time of the program. Let's uh, let's go to my my favorite segment and yours. Ask us anything. A good time to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com. I highly encourage you to go and, and visit there a plethora of fantastic t-shirts. Some of the favorite t-shirts I have in my drawer come from the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com. Super comfortable with fantastic designs. Uh, my favorites are the great play series and uh, 85 yards through the heart of the South and, uh, on a whole host of those. So make sure you check those out along with some great stickers. Uh, my, my, uh, laptop as we are sitting here has the Ohio's moon sticker on it. I get no shortage of compliments on that sticker when I'm out traveling, go to drygoods.11warriors.com. Johnny, what did you find in the mailbag this week? Well, I do want to remind you that you can send us questions to uh, the 11 Dubcast by sending us an email or hitting us up on Twitter. Uh, our email is uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11 Dubcast on uh, Twitter. Let's start with our, uh, our first question here. And um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is fun. Uh, this is from Patrick, who is, uh, I think, maybe tooting his own horn a little bit, but he says... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so he's saying that he doesn't, he doesn't like, uh, how high state came out and played against Tulsa, obviously. And he says, uh, curious of how much of Kerry Combs salary you think he should give back. I've been told he's been paid well to coach. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, you, you know, yeah. give back all of it. Donate uh, to charity. Uh, I want a refund. I want, you know. <laughs> yeah. I want a refund. on uh. Kerry Combs. I, I mean, I do think, you know, you're drinking water and you're a kicker. That was a hundred thousand dollars. You should have donated. Here. Yeah. He's not, he's not giving any of that money back and, and, uh, nor, nor should he, but at the same time, the, the one thing I will say has really frustrated me, uh, as we alluded to earlier is that this staff, not just, not just Combs, but the staff, you know, I think there's about $3 million worth of coaching salaries there, not to mention the army of, uh, assistants and analysts, this team should look a lot more prepared than it does that 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 bothers me um yeah but we've we've covered that extensively so no coach combs is not giving any of his money back uh (laughs) but 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 he could be uh and it will not surprise me if he is uh uh, looking for a new gig after this season either so i'll share this i uh i saw him at half price books once so you know maybe he's preparing maybe that's what he's thinking about he's budgeting so that he can (laughs) He can give back to the community that he's go. taken so much from there by our discipline. How dare he? Taken so much. How dare he? What a terrible person! No, I'm just, just, just. I'm kidding. Okay, so this question, this is uh, this is from uh, Brian Schaefer actually on Twitter. 
Uh, I, we don't get a ton of Twitter questions. I always enjoy when we get a Twitter question. All right. So you're at a buddy's house watching the big game and use the restroom. There's a towel rack with a few towels next to the shower, but there's no obvious hand towel available. What do you do after washing your hands? Do you just air dry and shake your hands off? Or do you use one of their bath towels, not knowing which one is used for the shower versus the sink? <laughs> uh, more importantly, do you ask your buddy so you know which one to use next time? That's a very good question. It is a very good question. And I have to tell you, Brian, I have been in this exact situation, though, worse than being at my buddy's house. It was at my mother-in-law's house when I first yeah. started traveling back to visit my in-laws with the stunning Mrs. Vance, you know, early in our, our uh, courtship. I went into the, to the bathroom in there at the vanity after washing my sink, uh, washing my hands in the sink. There's a, a towel rack on the left and a towel rack on the right. And there are hand towels on both sides. What do I do? And <laughs> so I you know, wipe my hands off, whichever one it was. And, and later, uh, <laughs> stunning Mrs. Vance says, uh, which, which towel did you use when you washed your hands? And I said, oh, I don't know which one. And she said, well, this one is the one mom uses for her hands. And this one she uses for her face when she washes her face. And I'm like, yeah, so you can't use the same. And, and I'm like, oh, well, so, you know, so, so I got in trouble very early on in our courtship because I used the wrong towel. So, so with that, I would suggest definitely asking the buddy. It's always, always good to ask if you don't know, hey, man, <laughs> which, which towel here do you all use when you dry your hands? Do not air dry, though. That's what are, what are we barbarians? Uh, no, yeah, no, no, not okay. Uh, so I believe your response is kind of like the lawful good response yeah I'm probably you, yeah i'm the i'm the true i'm i'm the the what the chaotic neutral um which is if there's a towel in there i'm using it i don't care i'm just using whichever is the first one i see and if it's dry then i'm using it i'm wiping my hands on it and that's fine because you know what if you have people over and you know they're coming over you you figure out your towel situation that's prepare how accordingly say. prepare accordingly yeah. yeah that's that's on you if you got a towel in there that you don't want people wiping their hands on you shouldn't lift your towel out that's how I feel about it. And, and I got to tell you something. I love my in-laws. They're great. They're fantastic human beings. Sometimes they give you a lot of options. There's a lot of towels in there. And I'm like, you know what? The one that's closest to me, that's what's that's mm -hmm. my, my hands on. Yep. And it, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. I'm okay. My hands are dry. And that's, that's all I think about it. If you didn't want me using my own it, clothes, if you didn't want me using it, it shouldn't have been laying there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and now what my mom does, my mom does is she, uh, she will leave out um, paper towels for guests. Ah. So they don't even have to think about that because it's like, okay, well, this is like a fancy pants, you know, restaurant restroom. This is, we're, we're out here, you know, like we're not, you're not using. Do you have like bacteria a covered filthy have, cloth? Do you have like a decorative basket or, you know, something? She does that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they're just, it's just a pile of like nice, you know, yeah. napkins and stuff. But, you know, if you're coming over to our house, you know, we have a hand towel available because that's what we want people to use and there's nothing else there's nothing else in the bathroom to wipe your hands on because that's, <laughs> that's what it's there for that's and there see for. we're very aware of how people will be thinking about it so this is this is a very good question from brian i appreciate that because uh bathroom etiquette people put too much pressure on guests to guess what they're like you know what their house rules are and i'm like if they aren't readily apparent then i'm sorry like i'm just gonna do whatever i want to do don't make here. the guests guess. That is a good. That is a good rule of thumb for exactly right. Now, good rule of thumb. I uh, when you talked about having the bacteria covered hand towels, I do you remember this? Uh, it used to go from maybe like a gas station or a truck stop restroom or like the county fair. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And and they had those, exactly where you're going. Those towels is like the towels on a great big loop. Yeah, it's, on it's, the dispenser, and then you like you do the little the teeny little <laughs> the teeny little turn. That's just uh -huh. you know the metal thing on the side, and you just turn it. 
I, I, <laughs> I saw one of those sometime in the past year and I thought, how is this artifact of, yeah. of, of an age when we apparently just didn't care? <laughs> those typhoid Marys. Those are, those are definitely like, those are discuss, especially where they're located. Like you just said, they're not, you don't see those. You don't see those at like Lindy's, you know what I mean? Or the like four some, seasons. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always in the, the most disgusting truck stop bathrooms ever. And you're like, okay, well, we decided to make this a little bit worse. We decided to make this whole experience just a little bit more disgusting for you. You're welcome. And it, yeah, they're disgusting. That, that's, that's pretty bad. I, I try to avoid those whenever possible. Um, that's definitely a, a wipe my hands on my pants situation and hope that one's slightly cleaner than the other. Um, but yeah, so great question. I appreciate that. Uh, keep sending them in um, and we'll keep answering them. All right. What a great uh, set of questions. And, uh, you know, this, is, uh, this has been, been a, a good episode as always, uh, partner. And then let's, let's close up with this. What, what, are, what are your predictions for the Akron game? Uh, who, who jumps off the page as a player who uh, steps up and gets the deal done? Does the, does the defense tighten up at all? Uh, and, and maybe <laughs> most importantly, does Ohio state cover the 53 point spread? Um, no, they don't. They're not going to, they're not going to cover the 53 point spread. I think what will happen is they decide to give the ball to Trayvon Henderson about 20 times in the first half, try to build a lead. And then maybe just kind of, you know, screw around in the second half a little bit and, and try to get good at things. Um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of practice for CJ Stroud, that kind of stuff. I, I really don't sit, think they'll try to come out gangbusters because they don't need to, or at least they shouldn't need to. I don't, I have no idea what to tell you about the defense, man. I, I want to say that they'll pitch a shutout and that, you know, Akron will have a hundred total yards or something like that but they gave up 500 yards to Tulsa. <laughs> Tulsa is not a good team. They're not, a, they're not the worst team in the world. They give up 500 yards though. That's still, that kills me. Cause that's what, is, what was that? It's probably 1500 yards on the season. Yeah. That's bad. That's really bad. Tulsa almost outgained Ohio state. There was a penalty that, that brought back uh, some of that yardage and they would have outgained Ohio state. Um, the, the defense has to get better. I don't think they will be that much better. I think they will be at least a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think Ohio State probably does something similar that you saw against Tulsa. They win by maybe three, three and a half touchdowns, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they cover. And I think it'll still be some time for people to complain a little bit. I think you'll still see some early season mistakes that people will not be super happy with. Yeah, I I, I think we see some uh, improvement uh, along the way. I think it's going to continue to be this incremental sort of uh, you know evolution not revolution on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball i think stroud settles in henderson continues to do the deal and they find that rhythm that that has sort of been lacking here while we've all been placing this at stroud's feet i think the offense starts to click and uh and some good things there and how funny is it that i'm using the phrase you know starts to click after um you know, yeah they've, they've put up you know dozens and dozens of points on the board already but i think they find that sort of rhythm and consistency that uh ha- has been missing heretofore that, that running game brings it about so I'm, I'm looking forward to it I, it's weird as all get out that we're playing akron at night but you know hey i guess we'll get a full day's work in before <laughs> before we watch the evening football game and we will be here of course as always to dissect and discuss and kibitz everything that happens at the game until then i'm andy i'm johnny Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.